a sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero. A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hello, welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV show podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Faraci, and joining me as he does every single week of the goddamn year when these shows are on television anyway. My name is Derek Faraci, and if I ever met Huey Lewis, I'd be a wreck. Um, speaking of these shows being on the air anyway, we, we, we came to a conclusion on the latest episode of our Star Wars TV show podcast, The Bad Batch, which is available only to subscribers at www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga. That's S-A-N-G-H-A. That when this show is over, Hawkeye, we feel like we're going to do Peacemaker on HBO Max in January. Yes. And I feel good about that decision. So do I. And I hope that the listeners are going to feel good about it, too. It's not technically a Marvel show. I feel like, though, what makes it feel okay is that this is how I'm rationalizing it, right? One, James Gunn's a great filmmaker, and so I think it's going to be exceptional. Yeah. Two, I think that because it takes place in the DC cinematic universe, I think it's reasonable for us to do it. Not because it's a Marvel thing, but because the CW shows don't take place in that universe, so they're all easily ignorable for us from well, our take, point of view. They take place in that multiverse. Yeah, but so does everything, technically, right? Yeah. I mean, technically, literally, literally I mean, like, everything takes place in the omniverse, right? Yeah. So, like, if anything, the CW shows have more of a connection to. Well, I guess not more of a connection, but have just as much of a connection to the DC movie universe as James Gunn's Suicide Squad because Ezra Miller showed up on the Flash show. Yeah, but he showed up crossing universes on the Flash show, which means that he could technically, when you start crossing universes, you can cross into any universe. This is how Star Trek and Planet of the Apes crossed over, right? I mean, obviously, once you start breaking down those walls, you can go anywhere into any fictional property, however you want. DC and Marvel have crossed over. They just they just did another secret crossover. Did they? What was that? In uh, the first issue of, uh, I forgot the name of this the series, the new DC miniseries that's dealing with the multiverse stuff. And in the first issue, they go to the Marvel universe and it's all destroyed. And the the remaining heroes, the few that are still alive, are like, "Can you guys stop recreating the universe every five years? It's fucking with us really badly." <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it. But the CW shows don't take place in the same reality as the DCEU movies do. And um, they're like, you know, a few realities over. But the fact that the Peacemaker will, and because it's canonical with the big universe, I think the movies are the big universe, right? In both of these worlds. Like Agents of (laughs) S.H.I.E.L.D. is not, like Netflix is not, you know? I would honestly, I would argue that the CW universe is bigger than the the DC movie universe just because it's more characters. It's more stories. It's done more stuff. It's done more to bring these characters to larger audiences. This is not about quality or even about size of characters in, in terms of public awareness. Yeah, I, I, I guess maybe, I don't know. I don't I, Aquaman made a billion dollars. There's not even a question true. that Aquaman is more successful than all of the CW shows combined. But like, but I think a lot of people are like our mother who thinks that Aquaman is part of the Marvel universe. No, I get it. I'm a, but still, I'm just saying like in terms of my thinking here of why Peacemaker is – we can do on this show is because this show is about t- 
TV shows that tie into a larger cinematic superhero universe. Okay. And Peacemaker does that. Okay. I'm just creating rationales here of what I'm doing. Okay. So I think the rationale could easily be it's going to be at least a year before there's another uh, Marvel show as far as we can tell. Uh, it does seem like there might be at least a year between. <laughs> it is hard to say. It is hard to say. Like, uh, we don't know if they've even started filming Loki season two. But they've finished other shows. Oh, that's right. I guess they do have She-Hulk and She-Hulk, Moon Knight, and Ms. Marvel are all done. Yeah. Like yeah. they're all they're all shot. Like, so that's the thing. Like, we know they're holding these things for whatever their scheduling purposes are, but they're yeah. done. It's not like there's like well, they're waiting to get things done. They have shit. You know, I'm sure they're still working on them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're done done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, uh there, there's there's stuff. Yeah. Um weird. But uh yeah, I mean, anyway, so we're gonna do Peacemaker. Hopefully you guys are on board for that. Hopefully it's enjoyable for everybody. So through January and February, the show will return uh after Hawkeye is over to do Peacemaker. But this is a Marvel show. So do we have Marvel news? We do. Uh, oh, speaking yeah. of Marvel shows that might appear sometime next year, uh, Fra, Fra Fee, who plays, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, he plays Kazi, yeah, okay. yeah, the clown. Yes, he, uh, he did an interview with Hollywood Reporter where he said that he has not been contacted about being in the Echo TV show. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, he said he's waiting by the phone. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, he's obviously negotiating in the press, but you do wonder if Marvel should have. I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, maybe that means he's not he's not going to die in the show. Yeah, that or he does die, and he doesn't want to just say, "Oh, I'm not." Oh, he's like doing like a, he's like doing a yeah. Marvel sanctioned fake out. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um. And he wouldn't be lying. We don't like when they lie. But if he says they haven't contacted me about being an Echo, that would be totally truthful. <laughs> yeah. He, but although he does say I'm waiting by the phone. He says uh, – Yeah, he might want to The question is can, can you say if you're going to be involved in Alakwa Cox's Echo series? He says I've not received a phone call yet, but I'm keeping the phone on just in case. So I guess I – mean, yeah. yeah, he could want he could want flashbacks or something like that. Just because the character's dead in a comic book thing doesn't mean they're going to stay dead, right? Yeah, that's very true. So – Okay, interesting, interesting. All right, what else we got? More Hawkeye stuff. Uh, Florence Pugh was uh, was suspended from Instagram for for posting Hawkeye spoilers. Really? Yep. Because I saw that she posted um, the picture of her and says she's back or whatever. I saw that. And people just reported it? Yep, people reported her. That's unreal. I never thought me posting about a show in which I appear on would get taken down, but here we are. Someone on here complained, so I've been blocked from posting my own appearance on a show that I'm very much in. Beyond ridiculous. Being what could they Hawkeye possibly? A privilege, and thank you to all those who welcomed me on the set and all those who are watching. That's the nuttiest thing I've ever heard because what could possibly be the way that you report something like that? That actually gets action. Like one person reporting it can't work, right? You no, know, it would take lots of people to report it as like breaking some rule and then the system auto blocks it. Right. So is that what happened? Looked at? Like hundreds of people reported it, probably like organized on TikTok or Reddit or something like that. Probably, yeah. Crazy. 
I mean, here's the beauty of it is a, you'd have to be following her to see it. Right. Right. So that's on you. <laughs> and B, it's not like she did it before the show came out. Although I guess like there is the whole day of thing with these shows since they just drop at like midnight or whatever, but still whatever. Like what childish bullshit. It feels like the least secretive thing I've ever heard too. That's the other thing. Like they set it up at the end of the last yeah. fucking black widow. I mean, like it's yeah. like so clearly set up that she's going to be in this fucking show. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Speaking of which, I don't know if this is one of the news items you have probably not. Um, so, uh, one of the writers on the show last week tweeted, uh, you know, I recommend don't miss episode four. You really don't want to miss episode four. And so this, I think, really defined the line between the people who make these shows and the people who consume these shows like obsessively, which is that everybody on the internet decided that meant Kingpin was in episode four. Yeah. Which he's not. Spoiler. We're going to talk about it. But everybody thought it was. And what she meant was that Yelena Belova was in episode four. Yeah. But for the people who make these shows, Yelena Belova showing up in episode four is like a really big fucking deal. But for everybody who consumes these shows obsessively, it was like a thing they just know was going to happen the whole time. And it, very often the people that work on these shows will tweet things about like, oh, this episode is going to break the internet. And the internet immediately jumps to like the wildest version of that every single time. Yeah. And I think the people who make these shows don't know that. I think they don't get it. I. I don't know. I, I think at this point they should get it. <laughs> like, like being like, oh, Yelena's going to show up on Hawkeye. That's going to break the internet. Except as you just said two minutes ago, we knew she was going to show up because it's set up at the end of Black Widow. So it's not going to break the internet when she shows up. Right. It's just you so know. clear she's going to show up. I mean, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's even if we weren't plugged in, I can't imagine how you watch the end of that movie and then start watching the program about Hawkeye and not say to yourself, huh, they really did set that up, didn't they? Yeah. yeah it's like really, I don't know. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. I I think I think I mean a lot of times it's they're just trying to hype up their stuff. Obviously, like everyone does, you know, every comic storyline is going to change everything forever and all that kind of stuff. But the internet doesn't have the ability to see things on levels, so right. it's all or nothing. You know, right? So if one of the writers says you don't want to miss episode four, you're not. It's going to break the internet. The instant thought is obviously, I guess Galactus is going to show up and murder everybody. That's the only answer. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Okay, what else you got? Speaking of things that could end up really upsetting fans, Andrew Garfield, once again, vehemently vehemently denying being in Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, This was an interview with Wired. He was asked about it, and he said, no, I'm not. I'm not, for crying out loud, but I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with the next movie because I just love them. So. So interesting. Either he's he's lying or it'd be wild if they brought them all on set just to make everyone think they were going to be in the movies and then they're not in the movies. That would be the worst thing you could possibly do. (laughs) I can't imagine why you would do that. (laughs) Look, unless you're like, hey, uh. Let's let's cause some riots. Like honestly, people freak out and riot in theaters if we do this. Let's do that. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But he's that still is, claiming he's not in it. That is wild. I mean, it would be really crazy if he's not. Um, like, not even just claiming he's like he's like straight out saying, "I am not in this." 
Right. He's well. He's saying I'm not innocent, and also he's doing it in a way that he seems like irritated that he has to keep answering it. Yeah. Um, which I kind of really respect. I mean, he could just he's he is you know frankly an actor. He is, but but usually at the, like I feel like after Star Trek Into Darkness, studios figured out like, hey guys, don't directly lie. Just oh, it's been it's been too long around it. It's been you too long. So? To, that, okay. that 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 lesson gets lost every single time because I think okay. that deny 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 becomes what everybody just decides to do again. I, I, yeah. I, that's what I think. Okay, well maybe that's what. But he's the I only mean, one dying. I would love. <laughs> I would love if they're not in it. I would like them to be in it because I think it'd be really cool. And obviously, there's photos online that make it seem like they're in it. It's hard to know, right? What? I think it's screen. I think it's. I think it's already screened for the junket press. Uh, but they cut 45 minutes out for the junket press. You, wow. So they just showed them half the movie, huh? Yep. Not Well, more than half, I guess, because it's like three hours. Right? No, the movie is, it turns out, um, somebody who worked at a AMC got, when you work at the AMC, they send you these things that tell, or at the movie theater, they tell you, they tell you when the lights have to come up for the credits. So yep. they'll get a runtime. That's not the full runtime of the movie, but that's the runtime when the credits begin. Okay. And it's two hours and 14 minutes when the lights come up. Okay. Well, it's not that long at all. Yes. And there's probably like 15 minutes of credits plus post-credit sequences. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that brings it up to 2.30. Yeah. Um, but it's it, the actual the actual movie itself is 2.14, which doesn't sound nuts to me. I don't know. No. no. Seems fine. I mean, I wouldn't start a movie at, at, that's two hours and 14 minutes at 9 p.m., but that's just me. It's too late. Yeah, it's over by 11. 11 it's too late it's, we're gonna go see west side story tonight and um i'm worried about going at seven are you i'm worried it's too late old man look at my Boy. life exactly it's ex- it's a hundred percent old man stuff like um there's this movie that was playing here at the los Feliz three that's now run by the american cinematech here in, in in los angeles and it's this movie from one of the hosts of red scare this like left-wing podcast that they're like they're kind of wild people. I'm not like a fan of this podcast or anything like that, but I'm interested in these people because they do have a presence in the world. And one of the women on that made a movie called the scary of 61st, which is about a woman moving into one of Jeffrey Epstein's old apartments and being possessed by him. And which is amazing. <laughs> no, it sounds amazing. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's only playing at 10 PM. Like they're trying to do like a midnight movie thing with it a little bit. And I'm just like, Nope. It's not, I'm not, it's not going to happen. Like I'm not yeah. going to go to the movies at 10 PM because I'm going to be so tired coming out. I mean, there's movies that play at the new Bev at midnight still. And I'm like, boy, remember the days when I used to do this? I just cannot imagine doing it. I think I could go yeah. do a 24 hour film festival again. Could you? Yeah. Because you begin those at noon, right? Like I think, yeah. so I think that I could come in at noon and power through, but I think that the whole like coming to the theater at 1130, I'm yeah. already done. I'm done at 1130. I'm just finished. Okay. You you not a midnight movie guy? You you stay no, up all night. God, no, I do not do midnight movies. I've, but you I've stay never up been a night. fan. I, I stay up late, but but like if I'm sitting in a theater, I'll fall asleep. Like there's not done in my mind. I'll fall asleep. You know, I'll fall asleep during a three o'clock movie. <laughs> I'm not afraid. If I get bored, I'll just my friend. Up. My friend Brian Collins is like that. He just fucking knocks out in any movie. Just yeah. knocks straight out. It's really crazy. Yeah. Um, I I don't. I don't fall. That's part of the problem with these late night movies. I don't really fall asleep in them. So I just okay. end up like I'm delusionally exhausted. Yeah. 
No, only if I get if the movie's just not grabbing me, I'll nod off for like five minutes and be like, right. oh, what happened? Oh, man, what's going on? <laughs> oh, boy, grandma. You, know. you call me old man. That's old person behavior sitting in front of a movie and falling asleep and like, no, trying it's not because children fall asleep in, in movies all the time, uh, uh, watching movies all the time. So take that. I mean, children also shit their pants just like old people do. But yeah. when you get to yeah. a certain age and begin doing those behaviors again, you're an old person. You're not a child. <laughs> So you say that every time I go see a movie, just because I fall asleep and shit my pants in the theater, <laughs> I'm an old man. I hate, to, I hate to talk to you like this, man. But somebody has to speak truth to power over here. I am going through a lot of genes lately. <laughs> All right. What else we got? Uh, Destin Daniel Cretton has signed a deal with Marvel and Hulu. Uh, the Marvel Studios and Hulu Onyx Collective is going to do the sequel to Shang-Chi and, Shang-Chi, a, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi and a TV series, a, a Disney plus Marvel uh, TV series. Is it a Shang-Chi TV series or is it just a Marvel TV series? Like, did they specify that he's going to stay in that corner of the universe or a lot, a lot of places are saying it's a, it's a Shang-Chi TV series, but all they've said is he's doing a TV series. Like the official announcement is just a TV series, a Marvel TV series. Right. And everyone's taking it as like, it must be Shang-Chi, but it's like, it may not be like, there's no reason he's got to do the Mar- the Shang-Chi sequel and a TV series. He could do with other characters. I don't disagree, but I'm wondering, you know, Ryan Coogler is doing a TV series and it's the world of Wakanda. And I wonder if their premise here is to find filmmakers and have them control corners of the universe. Yeah, maybe. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't be Shang-Chi necessarily, but it would be something from that corner of the universe. Yeah. Like either a character to spin off or a character they'll introduce to spin that, off or uh, a new character. Village. That village. I mean, like, is there yeah. – that feels like a like, – I don't – I mean, it's definitely like, possible. Like, I'm not saying it's right. not possible, but, but I think to jump to the conclusion, like, it must be Shang-Chi, I think is – I don't know. There's other things he might want to play with. Who knows? Like, I, Yeah, I don't disagree – but again, I and do feel saying it's a comedy too, which the they did not say. Yeah, <laughs> so, but the in, uh, the initial trade break said that, so I think that that's correct. Yeah, the, just because what they put in the press release is different than what the trade. If the trades broke it, I suspect that that's correct. That it's going to be a comedy. Yeah, and it's about time that Marvel did that with the Disney Plus shows. A comedy. Yeah. That isn't She Hulk a comedy. She-Hulk breaks the fourth wall, but I don't know if it's a comedy. Everything I've heard about it sounds like it's a comedy. I guess we'll find out. I think it might be strange and funny, but I don't like. Also, like, like the casting feels comedy. To me. Did they cast all just comics? No, but like, uh, what's her name from The Good Place is yeah the villain, and she's a comedic actress, right? So yeah, maybe I don't know. I I don't think of the funny thing is I don't think of She-Hulk as a comedy book, despite it being funny. I do because it, it was a comedy book. I guess so. I just never think of it as a comedy. Yeah, at like, least I think the, of, the the burn version was, and so was the Dan Slott version. Yeah, Dan Slott and Burn both they were both funny. I I, I I just don't know that I think of them as comedy. Yeah, I the difference here is closer to like JLI's comedy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's a comedy, but there's a new book that that DC is putting out that has not that's just coming out now. One Star called, Squadron. That's a comedy book. Yes. That's a well, comedy book. Yeah, we'll see. I haven't I mean, we'll I've seen the first issue, but I haven't, 
I haven't read it, but it's we'll Mark see if Russell it's who usually puts in. Well, I mean, the writer Mark Russell is really good. He's really good. Uh, and but he usually like plays that line between comedy and you know little drama stuff. Like his his Wonder Twin stuff was really really good. Well, I think JLI did that too. JLI, the reason, yes. the reason why we loved it so much is because we love the characters and they kept that drama just enough for us to love the characters. It wasn't just yeah. a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, Blue Beetle, when he's like possessed and whatnot and all that stuff was very harrowing in many ways. And then Breakdowns was very sad. Uh, but even just Which, in the run of the book, though, I think they made the characters human beings that had. Yeah things going on that we loved them they weren't just yeah. it wasn't it just, wasn't all cooey 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 it wasn't all cooey 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 right and so it yeah. wasn't like just like fucking three's company or whatever yeah um so sadly um, you'll never be able to read all of it ever again it's never being republished i don't think so it exists published already though right is that on dc universe plus no, or whatever they, that's they, called? uh no they don't have up all of justice league europe because a certain writer went to prison for uh for uh, pedophilia. Oh. <laughs> so they're not, wow. They're not reprinting any of his stuff. They're not putting oh. any of his stuff up. <laughs> yeah. Gerard Jones, what are you doing on this? Yeah. I was like, oh, you know what? I should read Breakdowns. I haven't read Breakdowns, I think, since it came out. I should read it again. And I went, I was like, it's only the, the Justice League America issues. We're the Europe issues. Oh. <laughs> That's why they're not up there. Okay. So. Yeah, like I'm like I'm the true victim here of this situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's me, yeah. the guy that will not be able to read these comic books. This is yeah. well. This is why Marvel's never going to do a Prime movie. Yes. Yeah. Prime and Prime is, is uh, so obviously get, perfect to adapt into an MCU movie. It's like so ideal. It's yeah. next level ideal. Yeah. If you don't, if you guys don't know, Prime is a uh, there was this this a, there was a period a in the nineties. Yeah, there was a period in the '90s when everybody was making new universes, and this uh, this comic company created what they called the Ultraverse, which I think was the most successful of all the new universes. No, um, that and Valiant. 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 I think Valiant was the most successful. You th- yeah, Valiant. Yeah, well, I you know what? I'm going to argue that actually the one that got bought by Marvel is the most successful, like in terms of like making the most money, because whoever owned that made a bunch of money selling it to Marvel. I think right. Malibu. Uh, I forget I who owned Malibu, though. Well, I anyway, I just know Valiant characters are still being published. That's all I know. Well, that's true. Valiant. Well, Valiant has kept going from. And they just they just had their first Valiant movie, the huge uh, Bloodshot. Bloodshot. Yeah. Did you see it? No. You should watch it. We should actually do it for Watchmen. It's a lot of fun. It's like a lot. It's like a lot of fun. Is it? Right. Yeah, it's really. It's like super it looked dumb. terrible. It it's terrible. it's very dumb, but it's like. It's a. Bla- it's the last movie I saw before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it is like really like a bunch of fun that movie. Anyway, in this Ultraverse, published by Malibu, it was a character called Prime, who's basically a Shazam ripoff. It's a little kid who can turn into a big muscular superhero, but the kind of the magic of it is that when he turns back into the kid, this muscular superhero melts, and he the kid like crawls out of the gooey remains of the muscular. He's got to rip out of him. Yeah, he's got to tear and, out of him. And also, the big hero that he turns into is changes depending on what the kid is feeling at the time. Right. So like there's a story where the kid hangs out with uh what was his name? What was the the tough guy that James Robinson created? Oh, was it Firearm or whatever? Firearm maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Where there's a, a a British gunman, gunman. Gun, guy with a gun <laughs> was his thing. It was a great story though. That was like 
I think the best of the Malibu stuff. Of, of, you know, they the did a VHS live action thing. Uh, yeah, with the, with the zero. Yeah, that was the right? zero issue. Yeah, yeah, it was a VHS yeah. live action. Yeah, yeah that was so that was so great. It was a great, but it was a really good story in that. But anyway, he hangs out with that guy, and that guy's all cool and like British. And then when he turns into Prime the next time, he's got like a leather jacket, like like a leather vest, and he's got like a an eye patch. He's like, yeah, I'm tough and cool, and like that guy. And then they did a Spider Man crossover where he became like a Spider Man guy because he liked hanging out with Spider Man. It's wild. So Marvel owns all of these characters, right? And um, so Malibu created this universe, and I thought it was really, really great. I mean, they had really, really good people come on to create this stuff. So the the Ultraverse writers were Mike Barr, Steve Englehart, Steve Gerber, James Hudnall, Gerard Jones, who's the problem guy, James Robinson, um, Larry Niven. Well, he's like the problem guy. He's the the probably the big problem but like there's also a a guy on twitter just a whole breakdown like two weeks ago of malibu and what happened and the guy who whoever was that owned malibu still has a stake in it all so if marvel uses them they have to pay that guy which might be a reason why why they're not using them as well because they had like some really fucking because that guy that guy i think also had some issues (laughs) yeah that makes sense because they had some really good fucking comics the premise of the ultraverse um is uh like well there's not like a huge premise but they had the great one rune that barry windsor smith did yeah this vampire guy that was fucking terrific prime is terrific that'll never be done lord pumpkin's a cool character yeah Um, that's a steve gerber creation that's a steve gerber creation the exiles um there's like a bunch of really cool uh characters that would be really great in marvel but i guess if this guy gets money whenever they use them that explains why they have never used any of them yeah yeah oh boy that's interesting Senior Vice President of Publishing Tom Brevoort has stated in the past the reason Marvel cannot discuss the Ultraverse properties is because of non-disclosure agreements in place with other parties, which has been speculated pertain to Scott Mitchell Rosenberg's contractual position as ongoing producer for all Malibu Comics properties. There you go. He's he's a problem guy, this guy, Scott? I think he might be. There's I know somebody early in Malibu's years was also problematic. I don't know. He doesn't seem to have anything as Wikipedia. I, I, I read the the Twitter thread thing, and the guy touched on it real quick. I can't remember what whose name it was. Well, I mean, so the problem is that he's a producer on Cowboys and Aliens, which was a, a comic from those guys. That's a real fucking problem. Yeah, that's the end of it right there. I guess they just don't want to pay the money to this guy. I don't know. It's so interesting. Anyway, there's really great fucking characters in the Ultraverse, and we're never going to see those comics ever again. And uh, it's very sad, and it's too bad that um, Marvel has these characters sitting in a closet somewhere, and we'll never let them out. Yeah. Remember, although when- who knows? You know, Marvel Man came back, right? Yes. Yeah. AKA Miracle Man. So who knows? Well, that that didn't go well, right? No, I don't think they ever finished it. They never finished it. I think nobody cared. They 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 censored the comics they were reprinting. Yeah. After Somebody brought a big up deal of like as they were originally produced, <laughs> except, except for the shot of a vagina. <laughs> yeah, so there's a few uses of, of words that are no longer allowed. So we're gonna get rid of that. Uh, somebody brought up a really good point. They were like the other day. They said every now and again, I think about how the character from Spawn now technically exists in the Marvel universe, and they just never use that character anymore. And like, it's just so weird to me. And I'm like, that is really weird that Angela. Just exists in the Marvel universe. She's Thor's sister. (laughs) (laughs) Did a whole big thing to bring her in, and then they were like, "Ah, "Fuck that." 
I wonder if she showed up recently. Wouldn't that be incredible if she shows up in the fucking movies? I wouldn't be surprised if she does sooner or later. I mean, that's. I, I think she. I think she still. I mean, she still shows up in books, doesn't she? I don't think they've. They have not ultraversed her. But no. I don't. I don't know if she's shown up in anything recently in any real way. I'm yeah. I honestly though. I am out of touch with Thor, so yeah. she might actually be a, a character in Thor uh, right now. Yeah. But um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, let me see what here. I mean, it's amazing how often this kind of stuff happens with these. You know, like, I mean, don't forget that like DC bought Captain Marvel, the Fawcett City characters, in like the '40s, and then didn't do anything with them until the '70s. Right. And then they were like, "Oh, we didn't. We forgot to renew that that IP. <laughs> like, so now we don't. We don't really own it anymore. And now Marvel gets to have Captain Marvel, and we got to call him Shazam. God damn it." She yeah. has appeared uh, in a comic as of 2019. There you go. A comic called Strike Force. Uh, check out this fucking team, by the way. This is actually not a bad team, uh, although it's a weird team. Uh, I've never even heard of this comic. How is this? How am I this out of it? Teeny Howard wrote it. I, I'm really surprised I'm not familiar with this. Okay. Uh, Spectrum, okay. Angela, Winter Soldier, Spider Woman, Wiccan, and Blade. Wow, interesting. I mean, it's kind of a weird team. Is that Spectrum from Squadron Supreme? That's Spectrum Monica Rambeau. That's her current. Okay, name. Monica Rambeau. Okay. okay. Um, it's got like big Defenders energy. Yeah. Remember like when the Defenders would be a team of just like random heroes thrown together? Yeah. Where it was like, like uh, I don't know, it's uh, the Hulk, <laughs> uh, Iceman, Beast, uh, Gargoyle, and Valkyrie. Why not? <laughs> Hey, well, it's been around for 150 man. issues. How about that, guys? Have fun. It was really good, though. It was an amazing <laughs> series. It was a great series. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we've gone way off target here. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, Shang-Chi. Okay, so you got any other? You got any other <laughs> I'm not sure how we ended up talking about everything else. But. We ended up with the Defenders. Okay. Oh, comedy series. If Marvel's going to do a comedy right. TV show. That's it's it. funny because, yeah. you know, the reason why – I wonder if the reason why this team Strike Force is called Strike Force and not the Defenders, they feel like a Defenders team, is because the Defenders is now too culturally associated with those heroes for higher street-level characters. Wasn't there a Strike Force team in the 90s? So they're probably trying to just keep that uh, idea. There was Strike Force Moratori, which was, uh, I think, never, I think technically is, I think, a Marvel Universe thing. Um, but I don't think this is it. This is Volume 1. This is Strike Force Volume 1. Um, so this is not a bringing back, I don't think, of these, of a, of a name. But there was um, Strike Force Moratori. Remember that one? In the 80s? No. You you thinking of like Force Works? I yeah, I mean you know. Oh, I know why they, they did it, because in twenty eighteen they released Marvel Strike Force the video game. There you go. Yeah, That's you it. Go. That's your answer. That's yeah. legitimately your answer. Yeah. Um but it does have that Defenders feel, but you can't call the Defenders team the Defenders today because everybody thinks the Defenders is like Luke Cage and Daredevil and stuff. Nobody thinks that because nobody watched that. <laughs> All right, what other what other uh, Marvel news do we have? Or is that the uh, big last one? but not least? Uh, this is this is news with an asterisk because it has not been solidified yet. But it sounds very plausible that uh, Letitia Wright will not be returning to finish uh, Black Panther two. Where was this reported? 
this was first reported on Giant Freaking Robot, and then I've seen a couple of different places on Twitter be like, yeah, we're hearing the same stuff. Uh, that uh, she refuses to get vaccinated, and it's causing problems. Huh. I don't know what to say here. Um, Giant Freaking Robot is not exactly one of the top. They're not the best, but they're not the worst. I don't can't think of anything that giant freaking robots ever broken. Like, they've had like a couple of stories. I mean, they've, they've broken. It's like a weird website that I don't even know how it exists. Honestly, I, I thought it used to be a store in, in Santa Monica because there's a store in Santa Monica called Giant Freaking Robot. I mean, it might have been that might have been where it started. Yeah, yeah. See, they definitely are doing. So they just – I went to their website right now and their top story is Mandarin, exclusive Mandarin prequel in development for Disney+. Plus. Yeah. And I just don't think that that's going to happen because the racial history of the term Mandarin and I just don't think that's going to possibly happen. Uh, I don't know. I um, This looks like a modestly bullshitty website to me frankly. I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know. Beyonce wants to play Storm in the X Men. That's probably just something she said, right? Like, That's probably something that she Storm. said. Like, well, if you yeah. if you could play any superhero, who would you play? Oh, I'd love to play Storm. Um, I don't know. I don't, yeah, know. I, I don't know, but it, it's also it's not an unbelievable thing in my mind because we know that she is. Anti-vaccination. You no, know, we definitely do. <laughs> we know and that she went back to London in the middle of filming, and we know that they're just kind of waiting around right now. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna be taking a couple of months off." So, I don't know. Um, I I don't know. I I will I will say that what I have heard is that she definitely becomes Black Panther at the end of this fucking movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's the movie as written, you know? Um, so I am incredibly curious about how that's all going to work. Um, Cause I think that if they just fire her, that really upends a lot of shit for them. But they'd have to restart the movie. Right? Like They'd have you to start from think. scratch. Yeah. You would really think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, oh, I don't know. It's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. And it's really crazy to me. This is such a, a run of – I mean not to be – not to diminish anything or anybody or any whatever. It's such a run of bad luck on this on this movie. Yeah. I mean yeah. such a run of bad luck. Yeah. And not, not to discount the this tragic loss of a great man and a great actor as just bad luck. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Right? That is not the premise here. No. But just in terms of the movie itself and the production, this is like – semi-cursed you know like we talk about cursed movies and like a lot of fucked up stuff has been happening on the production of this movie yeah that's very true wow and not for and not because the people that are making it are bad or whatever yeah so boy that's really yeah but you know when the movie opens with like showing like a one of the what kind of planes coming in and then it blows up and somebody goes, Oh no, T'Challa and Shuri were on that. And then there you go. <laughs> oh well, moving on. And then that's it. 
It is, and it was such a huge fucking hit. That's maybe the other craziest part. It was such a huge fucking hit, and like it was really good. So it, it isn't great. even like Except it isn't even like the ending was mm, the end fight. I enjoyed the end fight, uh, and I enjoyed the ending yeah. ending. I loved the, him the ending and, ending. I love it. I love the you know, but just that fight with them with the trains. I thought it was yeah, it just that's just it was just CGI nonsense. That bit. I mean, I can't disagree with that. But but the emotion but, was there. Like, they did great character work. So yeah, it was just enjoyed. really well made. They created a whole world. I really love that movie. I love that movie. Like, and it's so good. And oh, yeah. I just don't know. Letitia Wright, I mean, she's just throwing shit away. Yeah. I just can't imagine. It's got to be really hard already for a young black woman trying to get roles. Like, it's got to be already challenging. There's a lot of structural things in place between her and success. And she has to work 10 times harder than any of her white peers because there's these structural things. And then this one thing that she has, she has control over this and she is throwing it away and she's probably going to really mark herself as impossible to work with. Yep. It's really sad. I feel very, very bad. I feel very terrible for her. I mean, like it is very, she's clearly misinformed and it is very sad. Boy, oh boy. I guess we'll find out. I guess, I mean, I don't know. I will I see. We'll see. Like it, it might very well be bullshit and it might be something more. I, th- I think it's bullshit. I've never heard of this fucking reporter, Faith McKay, who reported this. And yeah, I just, I don't believe this. I, I, I mean, I, I think this is a good guess. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This is the kind of bullshit thing that you can publish that feels like a pretty decent guess yeah and it's also Um, kind of bullshit you can publish where if it doesn't happen you can go oh they worked it out they worked it out right exactly this is yeah this feels like nonsense to me i don't know yeah all right that it for the news today that's all for news i hope so we've got 40 minutes already yeah all right we got marvel uh trivia maybe hold on if it'll open yep there we go there we go we got it until such a time as the world ends, we will act as though it intends to spin on. Who said that? I don't know who. It's Thor. Nick Fury. Nick Fury. There we go. Yeah. Are these all just quotes now? Those are dumb. I'm not doing that one. They're comic quotes or movie quotes? Movie quotes. Just do them. Do the dumb ones. Let's just do it. Some believe that before the universe, there was nothing. They're wrong. There was darkness, and it survived. Who said it? Malekithia cursed. Nope, Odin. Odin. I was one of those two. I knew it had to be one of those two. Yep. Ready? This one's hard, so I want yep. you to really think about it. Who is Quicksilver's sister? Do you want the four choices? <laughs> yeah, what are the four choices? Help me out Betty here. Betty Ross? Oh, uh, could be. Gamora? Uh, Pepper Potts? Scarlet Witch. I'm going to phone a friend. Okay. <laughs> uh, Scarlet Witch is the answer here. Scarlet Witch. All right. It's incorrect. Know. It's the collector. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, all right. Are you ready uh, to uh, talk about Hawkeye? Yeah. Let's do it. Me and my arrow. Straighter than narrow Wherever 
Hawkeye season one, episode four partners. Am I right? Um, and you know, last episode we talked about how bad the, um, cliffhangers on this, uh, show are and i think this is a good example of just how bad they are because this barely like that that barely was a cliffhanger and it resolves like so quickly and with not a big deal at all we we also discussed last week about how the opening of the next episode of the, from the cliffhanger is really where the episode should have ended and that happens again here where i feel like if last episode ended with vera formiga saying why is there an avenger in my house right just end on the comedic note don't worry like right. you don't need to who what's going to happen us because we know what's going to happen yeah yeah that is a really good how wild would it be if this episode opened with just clint bleeding out on the floor from his throat (laughs) being slit (laughs) you're like whoa this show took a turn i mean there's like a version of this where he does get stabbed and jack is just like oh my god i can't believe i stabbed an avenger like you can still do the same thing you know what i mean yeah which they shouldn't have done. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they should have done that. But you, like, there's just such a, a it's just a nothing cliffhanger that just yeah, just don't do the cliffhanger. Yeah, just we don't need a cliffhanger. That's fine. No. The show doesn't need to feel serialized that that way. Yeah, I mean yeah. it will be serialized anyway. But the episode can just end. Yeah. Um, we get a really good bit here. First of all, I wanted to say this up front. I know this is not how the format of this program usually works, but I want to say that um, I really like this episode. And yeah, it's a good episode. I like this episode because of stuff like this opening scene where they're hanging out, talking at the table and there's a really good banter and back and forth between Kate and Hawkeye. Yeah. And there's really fun energy between everybody in that room. Yeah. And also my favorite line, by the way, thank you for saving the world. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> He's real. That and the, and the Huey Lewis line both had me dying. Yeah, I really, uh, I really need him not to be killed off in this show, which Marvel, all these people always do. All these Marvel and DC both kill off their characters too, too willy nilly. Yeah, and I hope he does not get killed off because he fucking rules so much. Yes, I agree. I agree. What do you think the possibility is that he's kingpin? I think there's a possibility that he's not a villain. You think that he's maybe trying to stop the villains? He runs the tracksuit mafia no i think he's a patsy i think he might be a patsy interesting that would be a good twist he's just so goofy i it's like i mean i doubt he is but i if if at the end of this they're like oh he was a patsy i'd be like yeah okay it's it's interesting because swordsman in the comics is a little bit of both right he is um he is both a um he is both a hero and he has been a villain, but he's never been like such a serious villain that he couldn't be kind of like fun. Right. Yeah. And so that is maybe what they're going. I don't know. It's, and that's interesting also, though. I mean, keep in mind the other Marvel shows so far, the villain has not appeared until pretty late. Right. Right. Like, uh, WandaVision, Agatha doesn't reveal herself until like the last episode. Right. And then, uh, uh, what was the other one? Oh, Loki. Loki. We don't meet Kang until the very end, right? So, like, who knows? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he definitely. The thing is that they are, they are setting up these. I mean, I, it is weird because the question does become when you're writing a show like this and you're creating these characters who are based on existing characters and also trying to create this mystery or whatever, and knowing the audience is going to be 95 95 steps ahead of you, do you try to actually do the fake out where the mom and Jack are actually not bad, even though it seems like they're bad? Um, The uncle being being stabbed, (laughs) 
Is she, did, do you think that maybe she is framing Jack by stabbing the uncle with the sword? I, I, I would not be surprised. That actually makes a lot of sense, right? Because like um, that would be a really good reversal for Kate. Yeah. To have to find out her mom is bad and the guy that she hates is actually just a dipshit, Patsy. Yeah. Um, and then that for her to um, frame Jack, that for Jack to stab – for Jack the sword guy – to stab the uncle with a sword, which is such an unusual way to kill somebody. So dead on. And then the, 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 the butterscotch and like, that's their evidence is butterscotch. Yeah. I mean, at the time we talked about this and I thought it was him doing a, I know that, you know, yeah, but I, and it might be, it might be, but I also get the feeling that he might be a patsy. Yeah. He also might just be enough of a dipshit. Like it's like kind of, Hard to know. Surely, I'm thinking this off the top of my head right now, so so I don't have a name. But surely, at some point in the last seventy years of of comics uh, dealing with the uh, uh, with Marvel's New York mafia stuff, there had to be a woman that took on the kingpin, right? I mean, there's always somebody gunning to take over the kingpin's like territory, and (sighs) surely somewhere in there there was you know there was rose there was this there's that blah 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 there was must have been a woman at some point and that could be kate's mom i guess it could be i mean what would be really fascinating is that if there is no kingpin and that wilson or the, the kingpin of crime the fat man is like a, a made-up character that she hides behind yeah that yeah. would be so devastating for the people who want the there Netflix shows. There is no shows. fat man, just a svelte woman. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like, but like that would be so devastating for people who love the Netflix shows and want them to be continuity. Yeah, yeah. Is that they just go, oh, guess what? The Kingpin doesn't even exist. <laughs> <laughs> like Hawkeye is like, there is no Kingpin, and she goes, Kingpin, what do you expect? Some guy in a red suit who's blind to come in and save the day? <laughs> that's stupid. Um, they had this really What's good next? An entire storyline about the agents of Shield. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you fool. Uh, <laughs> uh, they had this good conversation at the at the dinner table about sort of Kate working with Hawkeye. Um, it's pretty good because if we did not already suspect Vera Farmiga as being a bad guy, um, we would b- actually buy her buying this, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that they do a good job of her – trusting Hawkeye and not liking it, but trusting Kate just enough and not questioning why Kate was breaking into her systems. Yeah. I think it actually works. Yeah. But of course she's a bad guy and she's two steps ahead of them. I think is probably what's really happening. You know, what really helps make it work is that Vera for me is an amazing actress. I mean, she is a great actress and, um, she, she, you know, uh, she's just terrific and she's, and she's terrific here. Um, you know, she also then tries to stop Clint, as he's leaving and be like, listen, please keep my daughter safe. Um, and she says, you have, you, you have kids. And th- this is actually maybe the fucking, the tell here. She asks him about having kids and he goes, of, co- of course, of course you do. And right. Isn't that what she says? Of course you do. She, she I'm says, sure do you, you have do? kids? I, I think she says, I'm sure you do. Um, and we find out at the end of the episode that Echo has been tracking down his family. Yeah. So that would make sense if Echo was working for Eleanor, that Eleanor has this information already. Yeah. So that I think, I mean, we already know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like breaking any ground by saying, I think Vera Farmiga might be a bad guy, but like this feels like a very much appointed sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Kate tries yeah, they, to tell her. Moment stood out. That stood out to me. Right. Um, and uh, Clint grabs the Ronin sword back, right? Doesn't he? 
I think he does. That was my impression. Yeah, I think so, but maybe not. It doesn't come up in the rest of the episode, so I'm not no. really. No. Um, so uh, Kate wants to tell her mom about Jack and Jack's connection well, to. Before we move on to that, I have a question. Maybe you can What's answer that? this because I can't figure this out. If it's just a joke or if there's something there that I don't get is when they're sitting at the table, the four of them, and Kate says, we're partners. Me, me and Hawkeye. I call him CB1. And he goes, I'm not. Nobody calls me CB1. Is that a reference to something? I think it's just Clint Barton one. I think it's just like. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's Clint Barton one, but like, who is Clint Barton two? I think it might just be a. Is it a reference um, to CB4? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Is this where we find out that Kate's favorite movie is CB4? Uh, That I. No, I think that would be really incredible. Uh, I think that um, CB1 is just like her version of what his spy name would be. Do you know what uh, I mean? Okay, like, her, like, okay. like over, like over the comms. All right, CB one's yeah. in position. I think, I think that's okay. what she's doing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, okay. Now there is a bit earlier where um, uh, Jack calls him Archer. Yes, aren't you Archer? And, and she's like, "See, you're branding." And <laughs> that may or may not be like callbacks to a couple of different characters in Marvel who are similar to Hawkeye. It's not. It's hard to say. It, it, it's it's such well, an obvious I, I thing think to call two, somebody. It's a two part thing. It's one to bring back the idea that she keeps pushing that he needs better branding, and it's it's a Back to the Future chicken moment because now they have to introduce the idea that uh, that Swordsman is not good with phrases, right? Because that's going to come up again later, and they did not set that up in the previous episodes at all. So, so yeah, it becomes really, like a pretty so, big point in this episode. <laughs> There's like a whole sequence about it. And it's like, (laughs) you should have brought that up earlier, shouldn't you? I mean, I like the sequence. I think it's very fun, but I really feel like you should have, maybe maybe they snuck in one or two of them and I didn't notice before, but I did not notice any earlier where he was uh, misstating phrases and and whatnot. I would have to go back and rewatch to see if he had been like kind of subtly doing this. Um, He's such a weird character. I feel like he had much more of an accent in this episode too, but. His accent does seem forwarded a bunch in this episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, Clint leaves and he starts texting Laura. And he asks Laura to help him get information about how Kazi's tied into Sloan Limited. Yes. And Which I like. We, we, I like that so much. It's yeah. so good. That um, made me think. I, I started to think. I was like, oh, I wonder if Laura used to work for S.H.I.E.L.D. Not only do I wonder if Laura used to work for S.H.I.E.L.D., but I really wonder if the Rolex is Laura's. Right, like if if somehow the Rolex, which is um, she gave it to him as like an anniversary gift. Well, no, she de- fucking got dusted. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and he's fucking carrying it, and it's like her shield Rolex or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Right, like because this this watch is really important. It can't just be his like I'm Ronin watch. It doesn't make any no, sense. No, no. Yeah, I mean the the theories online go from it's an Iron Man watch. That's got like an Iron Man suit kind of thing in it to like it reveals Mephisto, <laughs> like, like the usual <laughs> Mephisto still out there waiting to, to come. Uh, but I think it would be very satisfying if it reveals that Laura is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And that I think would fill in, fill in a lot of their history 
that's how they met. That's how they met. They met on right. They they met on a fucking mission. I mean, like that really because the character of Hawkeye in this show and in this episode specifically, when we start delving into a little bit of his backstory, um, his deal is that he feels he's he was trained to be a weapon. Yeah. And he's trained to hurt people. Yeah. And you don't get the sense that he had like a lot of a thing going on outside of this. No. So where's Laura and that family come from? It comes from they meet on a mission, they fall in love, she leaves S.H.I.E.L.D. to go raise the family. Yeah. And that would be very satisfying to make her not just be quote unquote the wife. Yes. Yeah. Although maybe the argument then is why does Laura have to retire from S.H.I.E.L.D. to raise the kids? Why couldn't Hawkeye retire from S.H.I.E.L.D.? And the answer is because Hawkeye is the one that has super skills. Yeah. He's also he's, a, he's an established character. He's an established <laughs> character, and he's got super skills. She, yeah. as far as we know, does not. <laughs> Aside from Google, like I guess you know. Well, the other thing is that so she like it does feel like maybe she hacked it. This information that she gets, it's not clear to me because he could Google. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely she must have had to do more than just like. Google it, right? I mean, but because it, she, it might be that at the house they have a a shield computer that they can but use. Shield's gone, right? So, but it's not gone. We know it's not gone because we're constantly seeing their bullshit everywhere. It's well, the we're worst gonna... gone ever. It's it's the same as how budget rent a car declared bankruptcy and then four months later was buying buying up cars that they sold before for half the price. They're not gone. Can I go really off topic here for a second? Yeah. Do you know the company called Anovos? No. Anovos was this company that did high-end collectible prop replicas, like really high-end, like like made from the original props and like cost hundreds of dollars. Yeah. At the beginning of this year, Anovos, although I heard some of them are not that good actually because they're they're huge in the Star Trek space. They're huge in the Star Trek space. Okay. And like if you want to buy a Star Trek costume replica, like a real one, like that's like looks like – the movies or whatever, you're buying it from a Novos until this year when a Novos went totally out of business. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they, and they just ghosted, they disappeared and all these orders were left hanging. And all of a sudden this new company showed up called Denuo Novo <laughs> and Denuo Novo picked up all these licenses and is now fulfilling some of the orders that people had placed for a Novos, including a Mandalorian helmet replica. That's like okay. the most expensive star Wars helmet prop replica ever made or and so I was like, this is weird. A Novos gets bought out by this company called Denuo Novo. That's really weird. Like these names are similar sounding. And so I looked it up and Denuo Novo means uh, – Denuo means uh, second time around and mm-hmm. Novo means new beginning. And mm-hmm. so a Novos means a new beginning as the company and Denuo Novo means a new beginning a second time around in, in mm-hmm. Latin. And so it's the same fucking company. Yeah. It's like so obviously the same fucking company and they did some kind of weird thing where they like dissolved the company and probably walked away with people's money. Yeah. And then just redid it again with like this like winky name. Ooh, yeah. That this is the kind of thing that I feel like if, if this happened in a movie, I'd be like, come on, come up with a better fucking but name. But it happens all the time. Yeah, it's crazy. Follow Elizabeth Warren on Twitter. She's constantly talking about companies doing this stuff. She's all about it. That's how I know about I believe it was budget. It may not have been budget. It might have been one of the other rent a car people. Um budget's been gone for a minute. Oh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But uh uh I don't have great notes on this episode. My notes are not necessarily in order on this episode, but he finds out from Laura that um that Duquesne is the CEO of Sloan Limited, which is a money laundering front for Tracksuit Mafia. Yeah. And he also finds out that um, 
the Rolex is out there and that it, it that the, the 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 alert beacon is still on so they can find out where it is. Does yes. he find that out now? This is all part of the same info dump, right? Yes. Yeah. He goes back to the apartment and he does this whole thing where he lays frozen peas on himself because he's achy old man who got beat up. And then uh, Kate shows up with the dog. And you know what's really funny is that Kate is a 22-year-old woman. But like I had this intense feeling of like did she sneak out of her house from being uh, grounded. But she's like – she's not. She's like a 22-year-old woman. Like she just left. Yeah, she just walks out. Did we see when she got the dog? Because the dog was at her mother's house. Was it at her mother's house? I thought it was sitting with her at the mother's house, I thought. I don't think so because it's hanging out with Hawkeye and she comes back with all the stuff. Is it there? Okay, I thought it was at the mother's house. I thought there was a shot of her at the mother's house. Okay, I might be just fucking up my memory. And that's very reasonable. Um, She shows up because she – Jack – they're making fun of Jack because Jack keeps saying things wrong. He tries to do a life is short slash life is a box of chocolates thing and he just fucks it up. Um, life is short. You never know where you're going to get um, yeah. is what he says. And so everybody laughs at him. I, f- I felt this in my bones, by the way. The Be- that being laughed at? Yeah, because my girlfriend yeah. does that to me a lot. My girlfriend, uh, if I like, she'll, she's like very, um, she does that like loving laughing at me thing and it hurts. Yeah. And then if Jack becomes a villain, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it if he cakes his revenge. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, but they had this conversation where he says, I, I, kind of like a sweet thing, but also maybe like a kind of a thing an abused person would say, which is that better to be spend the holidays with family laughing at you than to spend the holidays alone. Yes. Yeah, it's very almost, Charlie Brown kind of thing. <laughs> it almost yeah. sounds like he's abused, which actually would play into your he's a patsy argument. Yes. Yep. Um, and that though sparks in Kate the realization that Hawkeye is not with his family. And so she does the sweetest thing that she could do is that she had overheard him doing the conversation about the different nights of Christmas celebration that he had planned with his kids. And she shows up back at the safe house with pizza and with ugly sweaters and with a bunch of Christmas movies. And she wants to and do some tree. of this stuff. And a fake tree she shows up yeah. with. Yeah. And uh, they have – this is also why this is a really great episode to me because the this show, we're four episodes in and I don't think I care about the plot. The plot is secondary. I just love yeah. these characters hanging yeah, out I, together. I'm, I'm enjoying these characters becoming friends. Yeah. It's just so good. Like this scene could have gone on forever for me. Like I don't I, – I was never feeling like, OK. I had one moment where I was like, huh, it's Christmas in two days and he wants to save this girl's life. Should he be just sitting around on the couch with his frozen beats on him? But at the same time – My wife told him to. Yeah, I know. But at the same yeah. time, I feel like – because you know, it's always that question in superhero comics or – there's a big video game question. Like you yeah. get like a, you get like a, um, a quest and then yeah. you have side quests on the way and yeah. you're like, wait, why is this guy gathering mushrooms when the <laughs> demons are breaking through <laughs> all of reality? <laughs> but that's what you well, do in video games. That's what you do in – and here, and to be fair, he does say like they have to wait till the morning to go talk to the LARPers. So he can't like they can't do anything until because he doesn't know where any of them live. Although I would right. think he'd be able to find them. But all he's got is one guy's name is Grills. That's not much to go on, right? So I do feel like like in a different story of this version of the story, um, a Hawkeye would be able to find out where the tracksuit mafia is. Like well, he, he knows where the tracksuit mafia is. No, they doesn't because they 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 they've moved out. No, no, because in the ne- the morning. 
he sends Kate to go talk to the the LARPers, and he goes and talks to Kaz. Remember? He yeah, you're right. So what is yeah. he waiting around for then? I mean, I guess he he's waiting around be because sleep. he needs his trick arrows before he can do anything. Because he's hmm. he doesn't have his weapons. He's he's unarmed. He's like I got to and and he's healing. He's all beat up a little bit too. So he's like, all right, I'm gonna I heal guess. for the night. No, I'm not. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just yeah. thinking like in a different version of this movie, the story. He goes beat up to get his final vengeance on on those guys because you know. But I guess at the end of this episode, when he discovers that they know his family, well, he's not looking for final vengeance. Yeah, he's just just trying to calm everybody the fuck down. Still, yeah, he's gonna be looking for final vengeance soon, though. Yes. Because once he discovers that they know um, his about family. his family, that yeah. is that makes them too great a threat to continue. Yeah. Um, and then so this 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 but this scene of them hanging out is really delightful. And um, Hawkeye begins training Kate on how to do some of the tricks that he can do, which is that his thing he talks about is that it's not about arrows; it's about his accuracy. Yeah. And so she doesn't believe him. He says that he can knock out a guy with this Christmas ornament from twenty feet away. Can't do it with a dime too late. <laughs> yeah, time too late. I thought it was really, really yeah. good. And yeah. he, but he proves it to her by using a, a, the the ornament to turn off the stereo and the TV. Yes, like one shot, like he just snaps yeah, it, and they both. Well, and yeah. it's it's a, it's like a touch of bullseye. I mean, it, it's Ultimate's version of Hawkeye. Yeah, where like in the Ultimates, he uses a, a fingernail to kill a guy. Right, he flicks a fingernail at a guy and it pierces the guy's throat, and it's like, right, I don't, he got through that. It's like supersonic speeds. What's going on here? But. You know, it's cool, so we allow it. Um, so then he starts teaching her how to do this, and we watch her learn. And it's funny because we're watching her learn a superpower, essentially. Yes. And it doesn't feel bullshitty because um, – It's a little bullshitty. Yeah, a little bullshitty, but because we but have seen her – it's fun bullshitty. You it's, know. Well, it's fun bullshitty, but I think more than that, because we have seen her be so excellent at things in the same area – yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it isn't like an out of nowhere. Like, he just picks up a kid off the street and starts teaching her yeah. how to do this. Yeah. She's like, like a fucking we, Olympic level. We know she's been, yeah, she's been training since she was a child. So it's not unbelievable that she would have good hand eye coordination and skills like that. Like, right. Yeah. That she'd be able to pick it up pretty quickly is very believable. Yeah. I mean, like, it's still superhero storytelling, right? Like, she's still yeah. becoming super powered in a way that is just not realistic for somebody overnight while they're, and they're drunk too, on top of yeah. it. Yeah. I got really worried. They started mixing up those margaritas, and I was like, they're not going to fuck, are they? Like, no, I was not worried about that. I didn't, I didn't think I had that feeling at all. I, uh, I was worried about the dog because they're feeding the dog nothing but pizza and Cheez-Its. And I'm like, that dog's going to be dead. In <laughs> That's what I was concerned about. <laughs> yeah, the dog runs into the fucking house and just – the dog's not there because the dog comes into the house with her and runs I right to the table the and runs right to the table and eats okay. the fucking Chex Mix. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she has the dog at, at her mother's house. I'm almost positive. Yeah, I guess she does. I guess she does. Like, if I could just watch the show and find out, because this is have zero meaning at all. There's no yeah, yeah. purpose to me wondering this at all. Yeah. Um, this does not impact the show in any meaning way. Um, but anyway, um, they do this all night. It's a really, really great scene. It's just really wonderful. These The, the chemistry between these two actors is just fucking top-notch. Yes. And they're fucking around. They're having a good time. And she asks him, what's the greatest shot you ever made? And he says, the shot, I, the, shot I, the shot I never took. Yeah. And then he immediately goes, oh, shit, I just really harsh the vibe in this place. <laughs> well, he, he and, didn't because he says that. And she's like, oh, you got to tell me that story. That sounds like a great story. He's like, it's not a great story. And she but, keeps pushing. And then finally he's like, 
that's when it gets grim is when he's like, you know, it's not. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you, it's not a great. Like she pushes no. it a little far, but she pushes it not in like she's she's trying to get him to, to reveal some dark secret. She's pushing it as it sounds really cool. And I'm kind of drunk and I didn't catch quite the, the way you said that. Like, you know, but then it's his fault. He does. It don't is. answer. It don't fault. answer. No, it is his fault. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like he, he actually doesn't. And he actually answers it like not when he first says the shot I didn't take. He's not. He is still festive in the moment. Yes. I think yes. he catches himself that he's saying the truth when what he should have said is that time that I put a arrow in Ultron's eye or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like when he should, that's what he should have said. Yeah. And that's what she wanted to hear, by the way. Yes, of course. Yeah. You know, that's what she wanted to hear. That, that, that time I shot a, a Chitari ship that saved a little girl inside a building. Oh my God, that was you. That's what she wanted to hear. But what she gets is the story of him meeting Natasha. And this reinforces how much she reminds him of Natasha and also begins to lay the groundwork for the cameo, or I guess the introduction of the character. It's not just a cameo. She's going to be back in the next two episodes for sure uh, of the character, because of the end of the episode. And um, Kate gets it out of him about going to get Natasha. And the thing he says to her is that, you know, why, why he didn't take the shot is because he saw, he could tell that she wanted out. Yes. Which feels important because Kate has a moment at the end of this episode with Elena where they yep. lock eyes that I think yep. is that Kate picking up that same thing. Well, it's Yel- Yelena picking up that same thing. Well, that's what I meant. Uh, it's yeah. right. They're, they're picking she up. does not murder her. Right. So. I'm saying that's what I meant. Yeah. They, they're, they're picking yeah. up, they're picking up sort of that same vibe from each other. You know, they're yeah. getting, they're getting that. Um, and it's, it's an echo. It's an echo of that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that is sort of like a little bit of a damper on the evening. Yeah. But, and, and then, um, he, and then that's when he's like, he's, he's like, I was trained to hurt. Like, right. I, and I, then I exist to hurt. Not yeah. To then help. he really gets, then he gets really dark. Cause then he goes into the darkness. And then I was so fucking glad that this happened. She goes, you're Ronan, aren't you? Yeah. And I'm like, thank you, because it's such a shitty, lame, obvious secret. Yeah. That I'm glad the show didn't drag it out. I mean, I, I think she figured it out last episode at the diner. I think, think I so? think like at the diner, she's like, oh, he's Ronan. But but she, like she still wasn't like 100%, but she was like, I'm pretty sure this dude was Ronan. So there's an element to this that's interesting, because we talked about this last week, that the idea that when Kate finds out that he's Ronan – that that could be a good story beat for her to lose faith in him. Yeah. But they didn't go that way. No. And I think that's really interesting. And I think that that's yes. an, uh, that if, if I came up with that story beat on a podcast, that's uh, that's the obvious story beat. Like, yes. oh no, you're Ronan, you're a murderer. I thought you yeah. were my hero. How could you? And then, how could yeah. you? But that isn't where they go. And I think that's very interesting. I mean, yes. it's very, very interesting. And well, what's interesting is what follows that up. Because she says, you're, you're Ronan, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, and then she goes, you lost your family in the blip. Right. She figures it all out, and that's great. And what's, I think, really important here, I think that if you did a version of this where she's like, you were my hero, and now I discovered you're a horrible murderer, how, how could I have ever trusted you? That's like one version of the story, but I think yeah. the better version of the story is that he is so guilty about this, and she shows up and tries to help him forgive himself. Yes, that's a different and more interesting version of that story. Yeah. That and she's and now she showing sees it. his guilt. She sees right. it on him and, right. and, and knows that like, you know, and, and she says it like without saying it directly, she says it here. Like, well, you lost your family. You were going through a lot of stuff. Like it's well, understandable what you did. Well, and it's not like he went around murdering just random people. He was killing uh, drug dealers and mafia guys. So like, I used to, you, you, you still can't do that. Uh, <laughs> 
But you can in the Marvel Universe because that's what he was doing before the Avengers. And that's what he's doing during the Avengers. He actually makes a people. he makes a really good point, which is that he says that I was pointed by the right people at the right targets. And in the world, maybe but I he wasn't. We know that. Well, yes and no. We um, that's all, that's what Captain America: Winter Soldier is all about. Is or uh, Civil War rather is oh, it was all being controlled by fucking. No, that's Winter. That's Winter Soldier. Well, Winter Soldier. Yeah, Winter Soldier. But that is the question. That is the question at the center of Civil War, which is who's directing us. And yes. I, I think that though is that I think that most likely, I mean, we could do a Hawkeye story where Hawkeye goes and kills the liberal leader of a South American country who's bringing prosperity to his people. Yeah. But I suspect that that's not. They're never going to have that story. So no. I suspect that what we're learning here is that his time at Shield, even though Shield, I think what they're trying to let us know is that even though Shield was corrupt, his time at Shield was positive. Yes. And I don't necessarily agree with this, but the premise that most Americans would agree with is that if the right people in charge tell you it's okay to kill someone, it is okay to kill that person. Yeah. I don't agree with that. Like I, no. I don't think there's a, 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 you know, but I don't expect this show to but, have. But, but, the, but the show also politics. tells us in this episode, it tells us that Hawkeye is not a a blind shooter without again, something like he says it without saying it where he says like, like he was sent to kill Natasha, but he saw that she wanted out. So he, so So, that's another piece of it, I guess that he has a little bit of leeway. Yes. That that he well not that he has a little bit of leeway, but that he has, he's not an automaton that just shows up and and kills, you know, he's not like a, a, a taskmaster in, in black widow. Right. You know, like he, so like, you know, or I guess even like kind of Natasha in Black Widow, where she's like, I guess I'm going to kill that little girl, <laughs> like you know, because that's the deal. That's that's how this works. So he's a little different. He he has humanity within himself, and, and he has a conscience and has lines he will not cross. Well, it's interesting because it's the way that you have to play these kinds of stories in a mainstream thing, which is that you can have your military industrial group be revealed to be um, awful at heart. Uh, but you can't have it be revealed so awful that our main hero um, has committed horrible murders for them. Yeah. But his buddy, who's our other main hero, can have committed horrible murders for the bad guys and then been rescued from it. Like yeah. these are like the weird little moral things that you can and cannot do in these kinds of stories. And yeah. so they're trying to carve out a space where he – where they're defining his killing as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent as acceptable <laughs> – I I, th- I think it's more that when they were like, hey, we're going to reveal that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been under the control of HYDRA this whole time. No one was like, wait, does that mean Hawkeye has been killing people for <laughs> For Nazis. <laughs> for Nazis. Yeah. yeah, no, I would say that that probably is actually part of the deal. Uh, yeah. They weren't really considering a Hawkeye TV show at the time, so they probably didn't really care that much yeah, about they it. They didn't think about Hawkeye, period. You know, right. It was just like – yeah, Shield is being controlled by Hydra. Oh, that means every character we've introduced through Shield was working for the Nazis. Like they just right. didn't, you know, it's just not on their mind. Although your argument against that in universe is that Hydra, the way that they worked was that they both were Hydra and Shield and they were just creating it's sort of like the Clone Wars. Yes. Like yes. just because you were working for the bad guy, it turns out doesn't mean that what you were doing was bad. No. No. Yeah, the bad no. guy, his plan involved you doing actually good things. Yes. That was part of his plan. So, yeah. I mean, that would be your, I would say, your argument to do that. Um, yeah. But, 
he he says that um you know because what he says is that he says that this is still tied to me. She says that's the past. It's still tied to me. And she says no no it's the past. And that's like part of his journey of uh, re- personal redemption that he has to have because again I think that actually turning him into Ronan in the movie was so pointless and so damaging to that character yeah. <laughs> that they really are going to have to spend time building him back out from that. Yeah. Um, it was such a pointless decision. And it would, I, I don't mean to keep harping on this on how much I don't like Endgame, but him being Ronin means that he had to die to get the Soul Stone. Yeah. And I don't even believe that as a person. You know what I mean? Like, I don't believe that like as a person that he had no, to die. But, to but get, as like, a story structure. As a story structure, that's exactly what that means. You don't yeah. introduce him as a fucking serial murderer. Yeah. Unless you intend to have him go, I've done too many things wrong. I have to sacrifice myself so that my family can Got come too back. Too much red on my ledger, right? It's just, yeah. it's just too nuts, and it's such a it's such a bad choice. And I don't, I honestly just I hate the choice so so deeply. And it's not even because like I wanted like oh I need we need Natasha in the universe. It isn't even that. I just think the structure of that movie says this guy has got to die. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you can break narrative stuff like that sometimes if you're really good at it. But I think that movie's just too packed and it does not have the space to break that narrative no. structure. It just doesn't it doesn't do it well, I think. And it's just driving well, me driving be, me nuts. Because you. the whole running thing is all of five minutes, if that. Right. Like literally we see him kill a couple of people and then Black Widow comes in and goes, Hey, uh, that's over with. He's like, Okay, cool. <laughs> that's it. Well, like, what's funny is that they could have done the Ronin thing, and but the problem is they actually introduce it by having her talk to I think it's War Machine, right? Is yeah. it War Machine? And yeah. he's like, he's leaving body piles of bodies everywhere he goes. And like you can't have a character say that because that is such an intense thing to say. Yes. You could say like he's been like breaking up criminal organizations wherever he goes or whatever. But when it's like b- b- you know piles of bodies, they found thirty five dead guys in Mexico. Like yeah. <laughs> those are that's that's weird. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it is like, and, and, and then and the idea that also that we then see he's killing him with swords just feels so fucking brutal and personal. Like it's like yes. it yeah. really is. <laughs> anyway, so this show is left with the heavy lifting of having to bring him back from that, and I think yeah. it's doing a very admirable job. Which, which also, really let's not ignore that the three live action Marvel shows so far are fixing problems from Infinity War and Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> oh That's shit, hard. we killed Loki. Oh shit! What are we gonna do with Scarlet Witch? <laughs> oh shit! We broke Hawkeye. That's that's what this show should have been called. All three of them uh, should have been. Oh shit, Loki. Oh shit, Scarlet Witch. Oh, shit, yeah, Hawkeye. yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so they have. And this it looks like She Hulk is gonna help explain what happened to the Hulk. So, yeah. so they go. Um, you know, I think that's maybe the that's maybe in the tradition of the best comic book storytelling, though. That is like in, entire storylines needed to explain yeah. why things happen. Yeah, that is one hundred percent in the tradition of the best comic book storylines, without a doubt. Um, Hawkeye sends uh, Kate off to go and steal back his trick arrows, which are currently in police custody. Yeah, to go get the LARPers to to get the arrows for him. Right, because one of the LARPers is a cop. Yes, um, that's a pretty big responsibility he put on her. Not only that, it also really uh, – these LARPers are terrible. Like a random woman walks up to them in the park and goes, hey, I work for Hawkeye. He needs his arrows back. Can you commit a crime? And they're like, yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> like that's all it was. It's She's no evidence she works for Hawkeye. It's very funny, uh, but I'm also very grateful for it 
No, I'm happy that they that they weren't like you got to prove yourself or like whatever, like something. But even if it was like, like she shows up and Grills is like, "Hey, Clint called me. I know why you're here." Right. Just no, something. It's just so odd that she walks up and like, "Yeah, that's cool. Can you make us costumes?" Well, what's <laughs> incredible is that she walks up to a group of first responders who are doing LARP practice in Central Park and then says out loud in front of them all, so that the guy in the back can hear. Uh, I need you to do some minor evidence tampering for me. Yes. Yeah. And they're all down. They're all like, Fuck yeah. And Grills is in the back and he's like, oh yeah, well, if you're going to do that, we need something from you. And it's like, wow, this is like a pretty wild. I kind of love it. Like I kind of love that we're skipping over some pretty tedious story points of her having yeah. to convince them or like a really tedious argument or something like that. Yeah. And I kind of love that it, um, this and another sequence later on show the difference between her and Hawkeye where Hawkeye is like the secret agent guy and she just like kind of walks in and does it. Yeah. And I, so I love a terrible that. plan. Right. Uh, but I, but I love that though. Like I, it's a good character moment and I yeah. can, I can, I can critique it on one level where I'm like, this is so dumb, but it's exactly the kind of dumb that I enjoy. Frankly. Yeah. It, 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 it's dumb in that sense of like, like I said, I mean, it's just like, Oh, these are really bad first responders these are what a terrible cop crazy it's <laughs> like, truly crazy but i also wouldn't want 20 minute sequence of them arguing about it or her having to prove herself like yeah just move on just keep moving like there's no need for that yeah they, they literally spend more time discussing the bag that the arrows are in than how to get <laughs> the arrows by the way <laughs> well that's there's a reason they do that yes which i think is i don't really understand why it just feels like maybe um, maybe it's just like – is this a joke? I can't quite figure it out. Do you know the reason why they talk about the bag so much? Because uh, all LARPer characters have to be neurotypical? No, because <laughs> that character – she says that my bag was embroidered by my wife. First of all, this is very uh, 21st century um, liberal as opposed to progressive where it's like, yes, queen, a black gay woman who's a cop. And it's just like, yeah. no, like, like, you know, this is not great. Like cops are not great. Uh, but um, her name, she make, goes out of her way to that my wife embroidered yeah. my nickname on this bag my, yeah. and says Bombshell. Bombshell is a Hawkeye villain who is the same character, oh. the same name. Now, I okay. don't know that she's going to fucking show up yeah. as a villain. Yeah. Um, but like it's interesting. And the other guy um, in that group is also the civilian name of a, of a villain, Oddball. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like, I can't tell if it's just an in joke where they have these names that they're going to use because they're Marvel names. Um, or I, I don't know. It's, you know, it's very, I mean, but I guess she could essentially become a, a villain at some point, but that doesn't look like setting her up for that. So no, no. Although when um, we get to that scene, are we going to discuss that scene now and then we'll go to what Hawkeye was doing? Yeah. 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 Okay. Why, what do you want to say about that? Whoever is doing set decoration on the show, fantastic job. Because they didn't just do like, hey, it's a nerd apartment. They did an interesting nerd apartment. They have a PS2 and a GameCube. <laughs> I was like, that's really interesting. That's fun. There's like that's an interesting path to go down. That is that is good. It's a, it is a good looking apartment. It is funny because um, it's funny to make you realize. Uh, how much different things are when the superheroes are um, not, don't have secret identities. Cause like yeah. he just, just walk in. I was like, Oh, it's Hawkeye. I know that guy. It's like yeah. very interesting to me. Um, 
So I, I am intrigued by that because that, that is what happens in that scene. But yeah, they, they go to the nerd apartment and um, Kate has broken this deal, brokered this deal with the nerds that she will get the material for costumes. Yeah, she's going to buy them her material, I guess, right? Is the idea. Right. And yeah. so they're very but excited about it. I think that sets up something for later. And that's the thing we talked about previous episode with yeah. that John of the Hawkeye guy. So yep, either – might be Clint. <laughs> it might be Clint or it might be that she gives them this um, thing and they end up just wearing the costume. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he won't wear it, but they end up wearing it in a, in a LARP. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, that might be the thing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm – so, but the, yeah, this I, definitely I feel like sets the up that costume. I they're for like sure showing up. Yeah, they're for sure coming back. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, th- it's a pretty good bit, and it, I I do, you know, she says I'll give you enough, um, I'll give you enough uh, material to make your costumes, and then also two more. So she's definitely yep. gonna try to do. That. I mean, I guess we'll see how that works out. I I hope the show doesn't do the whole like this is a dumb fucking costume. I'm never wearing it. I, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. I just don't I I mean, like they, that in general. They already kind of did that in the diner scene where she designs it, and he's like, "Like, I would never wear something like that. My wife would divorce me." And it's like, um, I, I think it would be really delightful if at the end his wife is like, it. "I think that looks great on you." Like that, or, would be like, or, that or would like be they nice. pull it, or if they pull it out, and he's like, "Actually, it's kind of cool." <laughs> like, like right. that would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's yeah. what I would really like to see the most. Um, so. Uh, Hawkeye, meanwhile, goes over and he goes and deals with Kazi and he's waiting in Kazi's car. He's he's snagged all of his weapons in the car. It's a pretty good thing. Over the course yeah, of this conversation, Kazi tries to grab all his different weapons and every single time Hawkeye has the weapon. Yeah. And uh, he basically tells Kazi, look, you know that Kate's not Ronan. You know it. I know it. You know that Maya's chasing a ghost and you know that Maya's going to get herself killed if she keeps doing this. You're the only person – Kate says you're the only person who has her ear, yeah. which I feel like is insensitive language. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess that's it's a saying, right? I mean, I don't know what else to say. It is a saying, uh, you know, you, her trust. I mean, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I do wonder if it's a purposeful use of language in this show. Yeah. Um, and uh, Kazi, like, understands, but also Kazi is definitely not down with convincing Maya otherwise. It's just not going to fucking happen. Yeah. Um, at the end, Clinton leaves him in the car, and Kazi's like, can I get my gun back? He's like, yeah, what are you thinking? throws <laughs> it. I love that a lot. That um, laugh. That's one thing the show does really well. And we've discussed this a little bit before. The show does not center on the jokes. Right. Like Clint's not in that shot. Like he's off camera and, and he's like, Hey, can I get my gun back? And you just hear Clint be like, what do you think? Like it doesn't cut to him. So he doesn't say it in a fa- fancy way. It's just boom, boom, boom conversation. That's it. And the jokes, right. I think they work so well because of that kind of stuff. The same as in the second episode when they when they the the jumpsuit mafia is grabbing him and they put the bag over his head and as they're pulling him into the car, he's like, "I can see through the bag." Like it's not a big moment; it's not played for a laugh. It's just there, and it just keeps moving. And I love that stuff. Yeah, um, they uh, uh, the directors of this episode is the same directors as last episode, and they are. Uh, two they are uh a, a combo burton birdie right? and yeah. they're uh, actually amber templemore finlayson and katie elwood are burton birdie oh. and they are were commercial directors and um they uh 
made a, a movie that I did not see called Troop Zero, um, which uh, is On about Amazon, isn't it? I, is it? I mean, it might be. So. Yeah, it's an Amazon movie. Remember? I haven't yeah. seen it, uh, but it's like a period piece about girls going on like and a Girl like Scout the, troop. Yeah, Girl Scout. It's a good movie. I enjoyed it. Is it good? Well, they directed it. Yeah. Um, and so would you have guessed them as like action directors from that? I don't know. I'm, you know because these two episodes <laughs> have terrific like, action. You know, a secret that happens to me a lot. I see on Twitter when people are like, Who, who's your favorite director? I'm like, I don't really have a favorite director. I don't like – Directors make good movies. They make bad movies. They make different kinds of movies. You know, who knows from week to week. Like, <laughs> um, you know. but anyway, they did this, and and then now they're on Hawkeye, and I think they have directed the two best episodes of the show. Yeah, I like in terms of like visuals and the action and just the comedy. I think it's just so smooth, and yeah. it's that that it's like that decision that you just brought up that that Hawkeye is literally out of focus in the background. When he does it, it makes the joke land so much better without feeling like a joke. Yeah, yeah. So Hawkeye now knows where the Rolex is. Actually, this is when he finds out about the Rolex. And uh, they decide they're going to go get the Rolex back from the place where it is. And they don't really know where it is. They go um, – I mean, they, they know the address, but they don't know what this place is necessarily. Yeah. yeah. So they go. They scout it a little bit. Um, Kate's like, why don't we just fucking go in? And Hawkeye is like, no, we're breaking in from the outside. I have this whole thing. He goes, when you break in, you have to have your exit plan because when it goes south and it will go south, you need to know how you're getting out of here. Yeah. I really like that bit where he's like, he's like, getting in is not hard. It's right. getting out that right. is the problem. And I really yeah, it's really like good. Yeah. It's like, it, it feels like legitimate spy knowledge. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, like as that. people that watch movies, we think about breaking in and heists, but he realizes yeah. like, I can get in any place. It's fucking, once I'm in, how do I get the fuck out and extricate myself from this? Yeah. She does not listen. And she goes in the front door by helping an old man who is carrying his, his groceries in. Yep. Um, I love it. It's such a good character beat for her. It's so good. Her way of just being very upfront and on the elevator, she's like, by the way, I'm talking to an Avenger in my ear. Yep. The face she makes too when she says it is great. It's like, it's awesome. And her yeah. thing is obviously she thinks that if she goes with the truth so big, he's just not going to. And we correct. He's like, I, yeah. I'm going to go. And he doesn't want anything to do with her. I mean, yeah. she's making a mistake because she becomes very noticeable at that point. He'll remember her later on. If this yes. became like a real thing, he would remember her. Yeah. Um, she doesn't get that. She doesn't understand no. the larger things. Um, but it's delightful and she's so cool and funny. But I, I think there's also a part of it that she thinks I'm with an Avenger. Nothing's going to happen. Right. Like she breaks in. Be fine. She breaks into the apartment. She, I guess. Which again. the lock. She does like a one-handed jiggle on the lock. It was the worst lock picking I've ever seen. And because it seemed like I thought it was going to be played for a comedy that she gets there. and She's like, I forgot. I don't know how to pick locks, even though I picked one earlier. But again, this is a thing where in the first episode, they show she can't pick a lock. And now we've seen her pick two of them with great ease. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's really because annoying me. It looked like it didn't just look like she jiggled. It looked like she had like a stuck key that she had to jiggle for a second. Like I was like, yeah. did they get did they get a key and I missed it? Yeah, she did with one hand. She's like, boop, boop, boop. Yeah, it was really kind of like, wild. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't love that. I mean, it's not that big yeah. a deal. Who cares, really, at the end of the day? I care because her. they specifically set up in the first episode that she cannot pick locks. I wonder if there is a deleted scene of her learning how to pick locks like that night, which maybe. sets up her learning how to do the throwing. Yeah, 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 maybe. maybe. That actually would make a lot of sense, frankly. Like if they had – the, they just felt like this was, this was too early that it wasn't going to feel like a callback in episode four and it was just sort of like breaking up the flow of episode one that you don't want to yeah. have this learning how to be a lock. Pick lock picker overnight scene, yeah. yeah, because that would actually really inform episode four her learning how to throw the coin. Yes, 
That would really, I'm actually going to now assume that this exists. Okay. It just, it makes so much sense that it exists. It's like, I have to infer that it must have existed. It's like scientists figuring out dark matter exists because it doesn't exist. Yes. Because they can't detect it, right? That's got to be it, right? Yeah. She gets in and when she gets in, she sees that there's a weird strobe light going on in there. She doesn't really understand why. And uh, we discover quickly- yeah, she throws the goopies out. She shoots the goopies right at him, uh, which I liked a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, we discover very quickly, though, that it's because this is actually Echo's apartment, and that's a uh, alarm system for a deaf person. Yep. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, she's poking around, and this is where she finds the Rolex, and then she discovers the um, list of Hawkeye's family members. Yes, but one right next to the other, just like, just like a video game. She does. She just kind of walks across the walls, pressing X until she can grab something, <laughs> and that's where she it finds does it. Have that video game feeling. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and then all of a sudden, she gets knocked the fuck down because Echo's in there, and she calls into Hawkeye and is like, "Hey, Hawkeye, Echo's here," and he's like, "I know." And then she's like, well, why aren't you helping me? He goes, well, I'm fighting her. And she's like, no, no, she's here in this apartment. I like this bit too. That was like a very good little bit. Like it's not like a huge comedy bit, but I thought it was very, very well done. Yes. Yeah. And Hawkeye is fighting a um, a fully masked up character with um, night vision goggles. Um, and it's quite clear that it's Yelena Belova. Yeah. Um, there is a funny bit. Uh, and then and then so then Kate, uh, Hawkeye shoots across a, um, a, a zip line arrow for Kate to swing across. And again, this is really good. This feels like really good action filmmaking that she gets halfway this, through and then she's stuck. It's just such a good little gag. It, it's very, it reminded me very much of like a Indiana Jones. Yes. Uh, romancing the stone kind of thing. Yep. You know, and like that kind of old school adventure stuff. And it was like, yep. this is fun. You know, this, this is really fun. I like that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, uh, I think that that is, Great. I just loved it. And I loved yeah. her, you know, bouncing down. And I loved the way that it ended up um, working for her that like Yelena pulls it down. It's like a whole thing. Like yeah. it's just really, it's just really cool. They don't take, it's not, it's not, it's not a very long beat and it's not like a lot of comedy in it, but it has that lighthearted adventure feel that, as you say, of Indiana Jones. I fucking yeah. adored it. And then we end up with a four way fight on this rooftop. And I was watching this and I was like, you know what they have happening here? They're on a stage. And they have a trans light in the background. It's just a big fucking um, the curtain that they're hanging in the background with lights shining through it the, the, from behind. That's creating the illusion of the city. I'm almost positive that it's a trans light. It's not even like the fucking LCD screen they use in The Mandalorian, I don't think. Okay. Why didn't Daredevil have this all the time? This is technology. There's so many hallways you can fight in, Devin. This is 70 so years old. This is 70-year-old technology. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is not like brand new technology. Yeah, but hallways. <laughs> and it just added so much to watch these superheroes having a superhero I mean, fight. Th- think of it this way. You could film and make it look like they're outdoors and having a big fight on a rooftop, like Ninja Turtle style, which is very cool. Or you can film in a hallway where the sound is going to be terrible, so you're going to have to ADR everything. <laughs> but, but on the plus side, you can keep doing that thing where guys like jump off the side of the wall and punch which would probably not ha- really have that much power behind it because the punch power comes from how you plant your feet. So just flying through the air with your fist out is not going to do much. But it looks cool, and that's what everyone goes with. It does It does look cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just funny. And also, uh, what was it Old Boy where they had the fight in the hallway? And they, then I guess everybody loved that fight, so they're like, we'll do it every episode. 
it's really funny. Old Boy's hallway fight was so incredible because it was this video game side scroller fight, and then they presented it as such. Like that was what yeah. was incredible about it. And then, but that's not the case in every other hallway fight that's come ever since. No. But just watching them on the roof fight, that just felt like a comic book thing. Like these street level characters fighting on a roof. That's what happens yeah. in comic books all the time. You yeah. if you live in Marvel Universe, there's people fighting on roofs all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, great. It's so good. Um I mean, and the fights like that, but to watch it is great. No, being in it, I'm sure, would be really, really terrible. Yeah, be, you're fucking – your ceiling is constantly cracking. You're like, God, fucking Spider-Man again. There's a what? funny bit where Kate – when Kate gets on the roof, she fires a trick arrow and it's like a, son, it's like a sonic boom arrow or whatever. It's yeah. like a flashbang arrow. And you can tell that the person playing Yelena Belova in the outfit is a dancer or stunt person because when that happens and she like shakes it off, she does the most elaborate head – move that feels like a movement exercise thing like it's yes. not it's not like a, it's not like a, it's, it's 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 a dance move she does like a dancers yeah. i'm like i'm sitting here craning my neck back and forth to explain it yeah um and uh so anyway uh kate hits uh hits echo and echo uh, takes off and that's when clint pulls off uh the 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 mask and we see it's Yelena belova who doesn't yes. actually say anything no um she just takes the fuck off and for a moment, I got real worried because it looked like Clint recognized her, but he does not. He does not, but he recognizes a Black Widow assassin. Yeah, he recognizes the moves, which I have no problem right. with that. He wouldn't. Yeah, he would know those moves well. So and that's what Clint's like. Okay, this is now taking on a new fucking level. There's a Black Widow assassin hired to come take us out. This is truly serious now. Well, this is well, not just a like little. Elena attaches a, a wire to Kate and pushes her off the side of the roof. Right, and it goes right to the shots from Endgame. Of yes, that's right. It does. Of Natasha falling off the roof. You're right. It does. And Hawkeye freaks out. And he, Clint freaks out. Yeah, and then he cuts her loose so that she falls down through a cartoonish series of lights and yes. awnings to yeah. uh, to be perfectly just okay. No awnings, just some lights. Just lights. Just no, some no, the awnings was a joke. The awnings is a joke. And then she's okay, and he tells her he tells her get out of here. But she won't. Yeah. She comes back up to the rooftop anyway. Yeah. And that's when he says, "This is too serious. This is a Black Widow assassin. Somebody's hired to take us out. This is like this is not just clowns in tracksuits. Now this is like yeah. this is international level assassins." And he's like, "You got to get the fuck out of here." Yeah. And that's it. Yep. Another kind of weak <laughs> cliffhanger ending. Yeah. I mean, that just feels like an ending lesson more than a cliffhanger. Yeah. I feel okay yeah. with that one. That feels less like they're trying to make us go, what's going to happen next? Like yeah. it's establishing that this this chapter is over and the next chapter will pick up from this as opposed to last week, which was a literal, like just like he's yeah. got a knife oh, to his throat. What's yeah. going to happen next? Oh my yeah. God. We can't wait to find out how he survives this one, which yeah. is like, of course he's going to survive. This is not even <laughs> remotely – um what's what do you think of this episode i liked it i liked it overall i thought it was good is it possible this is going to be the best marvel show uh right now i i really enjoyed loki i like loki a lot i really really like loki i'm not yeah i'm not, I'm not putting any and, of the and shows i didn't down. dislike wandavision in total i think like, it just I, didn't I think stick the landing well i i have problems with the first two episodes as i said i, I think that they the first two episodes are repetitive and right. then yeah, it didn't stick the landing that well, but right now this is the one I'm enjoying the most without a doubt. Like, like I, I love, I'm enjoying these characters. I, I, I I'm enjoying the, the action of it. You know, it's, it, it's much lower stakes feeling, which I appreciate. It's such a joy, isn't it? It's such a joy yeah. that the stakes are low. And that I think 
assuming that they actually do keep the rationale from Black Widow the movie, Elena showing up has got nothing to do with yeah. this shit. Yeah. So it's not it isn't like the stakes are now being up to international crime. It's just that she's showing up because she's been sicked on him from a different movie. Yeah. Which is also a very classic comic book storytelling superhero thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're in the middle of a, you're in the middle of a five-part story and all of a sudden a character comes in from left field. Yeah, the Silver Sable shows up. Right. And yeah. it's because she's been hired to take your head or whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it really works. It, it's, this show is so fun. Yes. It's so fun. And the characters are so good. And the chemistry uh, between Haley Stanfield and uh, uh, Jeremy Renner is just off the charts. It's yes. off the charts good. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, this I might. I really hope we get another season. <laughs> I really do. I would love more of it. Yeah, 100%. I really would love more. I would love it as a show, by the way. I don't want it as a movie. No, I agree. I agree. I want to be able to spend 10 minutes with them hanging out. Like, that's what yeah. I want. Like, that's yeah. the that's the juice for me on this show is not yeah. like the action scenes or the mystery. Because of the mystery, I don't even care. Like, they can maybe not even land the mystery, and I'm not even sure I care that much at this point. Yeah, because this is much more about the characters than, than yeah. the mystery. Where Loki was about mystery, WandaVision was about mystery. This doesn't have that mystery feel to it. This has yeah. a This has an adventure story feel to it. And it's fun. So you're just along for the ride to a certain extent. You're like, yeah, we, you know, and then, I mean, hopefully they'll land the mystery, but like I had not even considered the idea that the Rolex is nothing more than, than his wife's watch. And I love that idea. I love the concept of that. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know that it is hers. I mean, it is, no, it but, is but, it but, but I, I like that her. idea right. that it's just like, it's a sentimental value thing. It's well, nice. it's more than that because it has a tracking beacon inside of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it and it will it will it will reveal somebody's identity. But so even that, it, like, 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 even if if at the end of the this se- this season, I'm saying season in hopes that there will be a season two. If at the end of the season they get the watch back, and he's like, "I got the Rolex," and Kate's like, "What's so special about that Rolex?" And he's like, "Well, it's it's my wife's," and she, and she's like, "Well, why does it have a tracker?" And he's like. Well, it's an expensive watch. I didn't want to lose it. <laughs> like, and then that's it. I'd be totally <laughs> fine with that. I'd be like, great. It's just a watch that means something to this family. That's great. That's fine. I have no problem with that. If it's something bigger, I have no problem with that either. Unless it's like this watch reveals the entire universe. Then it'd be like, right. Oh, this this yeah. watch blows open the multiverse. Like I don't yeah. want that. Like yeah. if it's like it it can go it can go as big enough to um, global stakes. Not like end of the world, but like yeah. this ties into an international crime ring or whatever. I would be okay with that. Yeah, I would like it to stay New York City centered if possible. And um, but uh, yeah, I, I even agree. if it's like, oh, this was Natasha's watch. You know, it is a, it's just it, a sentimental value thing. I would have no problem with that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I I would have no problem with that either. I mean, I I would though, frankly, like it to be her watch from Shield. I, I, I would agree. like, I, I would I like that what reveal. we came up with here is the best answer. So, you know, Marvel, if you got to refilm, get on it. You got, you got two weeks <laughs> to reshoot. Uh, well, they have cut things supposedly because the audience figured it out, right? That's what happened in WandaVision. Yeah. They talked about it. They cut shit because the audience yeah. figured it out, which was a huge fucking mistake. Yeah. That was stupid. That was real stupid. So. All right, that's this episode of. Oh, one more thing I do want to bring up. Is, this is very uh, traditional, by the way, for me to try to end the show, yes. and then you have one more thing. I you like Columbo on the show. Two things on but, but one is about the show itself. Uh, Yolanda's tasers, real weak. You know. Yeah. 
Well, she might have weird. them. It might be set on a weak setting. I guess maybe it just seemed weird because like, like people just pull it off. Like, ow. Yeah. It might be on a weak setting because, um, I do wonder if she intended to capture Hawkeye, like, and like interrogate him right there. She just wanted to just basically incapacitate him immediately, but not knock him out because she wanted to get answers from him before throwing him off a building or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who can, because it would be very reasonable. if She didn't trust Val. Yes. Right. That'd be right. Like if she takes the, she takes the, not that's not only a mission, but she takes the bait, but with the with the recommend, rec- recognizing that she can't really trust Val. And oh, I so, know the show we're forgetting. What Falcon and Winter Soldier? No, I feel bad. Yeah, we did forget <laughs> all about it. It's definitely better than Falcon and Winter Soldier. It actually has all the energy that you wanted from Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes. Yeah. Like you yeah. wanted that that energy and more of a buddy um, cop action movie vibe, like a little bit more action than than we got, in, 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 but with the same vibe that I just like yeah. watching the characters really fucking hang around. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry. What was your second thing you wanted to bring up? Uh, I didn't want to bring up the news because it's not quite connected directly to the Marvel TV shows, but it is connected to Marvel and things we know. Uh, George Prez is sadly uh, has stage three pancreatic cancer and has six to twelve months to live. And if you don't know his work, go look up his work. He's amazing. I believe that would have fit in the news very nicely. Um, And uh, yes, the impending loss of George Perez is so tragic. The class with which he is dealing with it and thinking about wanting to interact with his fans in his final days is so beautiful and be with his family. His decision, he has very significant cancer and he's not a young man and he has a lot of other health problems and he has come to recognize that treatment can give him a little bit of extra time, but it's about quantity quality versus quantity of life. Yeah. And he's decided that he'd rather have a quality final months than maybe getting six extra months of not doing well. Yeah. Um, you know, here in this house, my girlfriend is a cancer patient. It is currently not a life threatening cancer that she's dealing with. Um, but I can tell you like it's, it beats you up. And when sure. we go to the hospital to see other people and we get her treatments, we see other people who are really getting beat up very badly by this. Yeah. And if you don't think you're going to make it, Maybe you just opt to not get beat up. I mean, I, I get it. I, I do get it. And, but he is one of the greats. I mean, I have come to realize that w- w- with this announcement, like it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I, I really got very emotional about it. And I realized that um, my definition of what good comic book art is, is George Perez art. Yeah. I mean, he's the gold standard. That's it. Like he, he's yeah. my definition. I, I, I know, I know that Jack Kirby is the greatest comic book artist and I'm not, you know, any, or any other great comic book artist, whatever. But in my brain, when I look at a new page of comic book art and I yeah. judge it, what do I think this is good? I am always holding George Perez's art as the high, as the high level. And George Perez is the artist of the moment because George Perez's specialty was these big fucking group shots where he could yeah. get every character perfectly right in unbelievable detail. Yes. And they all like, looked different. Like, well, they look like the characters. That's they, the they thing. Look, but, well, they, they look like, but, but I'm talking about like, like he could draw Captain America's face right next to Hawkeye's face, and you know who was who, even if they didn't have masks on, because right. he gave them defining facial features that said to you, "That's this guy. That's yeah. Captain America. That's Hawkeye." Like, he was he's such an amazing artist, and like, you know, he did the first three issues of Infinity Gauntlet, and. Right. That's one of the amazing things, but obviously, I think what what his greatest work is Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's right? one of the greatest comic works anybody's ever done. I mean, yeah. that, that he did that book. I, I can't imagine an artist doing that book today. No, I, I mean, if, if there's you six don't artists know, on that book today, 
Oh, yeah. Well, when they did uh, Infinite Crisis, there were, I think, like six artists on it, including yeah. Perez. They brought in Perez to do some of it. But, like, if you don't know Crisis on Infinite Earths, it, it's literally every single character that's ever appeared in DC Comics shows up in that. And he drew them all. He drew every single character, and it's a beautiful book. It, none of it feels rushed. None of it feels uh, uh, too packed. Like too like the pages never feel like like it, too packed full of stuff. It, you know, it's just it flows He's, beautifully. It's an amazing well, I think story. He, he did every single issue, right? Yes, yeah. And I think I don't think it was late, right? It wasn't like significantly late. I don't think it was late, but I do believe that. Like the he got last, started really early on it. He got or? started really early on it. And I think like the last two issues, Ordway did finishes. Okay. On it. So he had okay, so he had okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm saying that out of school, you know. But I'm, even I'm still, if that was the life. case, the fucking level of detail, I think these are also big comics back then too, right? They were like a little bit lar- longer than yes. the regular comics. Yeah. Were they thirty two yeah. pages or something like that? I mean the first issue is definitely like forty eight, and then I think the so, other ones are like thirty or something like that. And yeah. it's what Perez's thing in these issues and in many of his comics, but in, in in Crisis in particular, is the density of his panels. They're so yeah. incredible, but never feel like they're impossible to follow. They are yeah. so clear. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and like I had brought him up when we were watching Loki and when they showed what the TVA looked like when they look out the window. And I said it was very Perez looking to me. Right, and that's the kind was, of things that he did because it's so yeah. detailed, but not overbearing, you know, and it's just like, oh, his stuff is the greatest, just the I mean, absolute greatest. Yeah. Like if you had done endgame as a comic book the guy you want drawing those final battles is george perez yeah like yeah. that's the guy like there's not even a question like you want perez because other other artists who do these books where there's like big group scenes or whatever very often like i'm not trying to throw anybody in the bus here but you'll see that some of the characters in the background are like sketched or they're yeah. like barely identifiable or whatever yeah. but like there's not like you go through crisis and like fucking there's huge fucking group shots I, like I unbelievable mean, you and you can identify issues. every single character you, you go through even even like you look at the the three issues of infinity gauntlet he did where he's doing like 30 or 40 marvel heroes in one shot and spider-man has every single little web line on his suit yeah. and it's like he took the time to do i believe he inked that too that book those three issues so like that's crazy. He drew, most artists would not draw every line on the suit because it's like God, Spider-Man's got so many stupid lines on him. He's off in the back. We can just color it red and blue. You'll know who right. he is. He's got the spider on his chest. Done yeah, give him the big eyes and he's red. That's the big eyes. Give him the spider on the chest. That's it. Like, but no, he would draw every all the little webs that go across his costume, and it's like yeah. just one of the greatest. And I know I can't imagine anyone important listens to this on, on the Marvel side or the DC side. But if any of them do republish justice league Avengers, put it back out, you know, and, and give the proceeds to his family or give it to a cancer charity in his name or something. But like that is his magnum opus. He spent a decade getting that thing done. Yeah. And it's, and it's incredible. Out. And he gets to draw every single superhero in both those universes. It's yes. so fucking incredible. Yeah. And it's not in print. And it's heartbreaking, and you know it. It shouldn't be that hard to to put out a new edition of it. Yeah, and, I agree. You know, especially in this a situation like this, like the guy was so happy to finally get to that off the ground and do it. He was like begging for it for a decade. Like, give yeah, me that. and also I think the other thing is that you know the death of any 
any person is a tragedy, obviously, and a great artist can be a great artist without being a great person, and that doesn't make a difference at all. Like, it's still a tragedy when a great artist passes, even if they were a bad person. But George Perez, by all accounts, is like a prince. Yes. Yeah. Just a sweetest, kindest, nicest guy. Everybody in the industry has stories about him being supportive and positive towards them. Yeah. Every fan. I've met him as a fan, and he was nothing but wonderful and kind and sweet. And yeah. you know what I mean? And this is back in the days when I didn't have to pay money to go see like a famous guy. Like he came to all the whole comic store. Yeah, and, he used to go to the Little Nemos. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, that's how I met him. And he signed stuff for me, which is now gone. But like, you know, it was, you know, he's just a really, he was a re- he is a really good dude and apparently has been a really good dude his whole life. And it is very sad. I'm glad that he's going to go out on his own terms. And I'm glad that he is uh, able to hear. I'm sure he has seen the response, which has been overwhelming yes. love. Yeah. Yeah, just endless love for him because he is the best. Like he, he is, is the best, you know. And he's, he's still with us, so let's not let's not let's not count him out yet, right? Like no, I mean, obviously no. he is he is entering the finale of his life, and there's no shame in that. Everybody dies. Everybody who's ever lived has died, and everybody who will live will die. Uh, no shame in dying. There is nothing wrong with dying. No. Uh, and uh, but let's especially not talk a life well lived just like yet. That. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, he he he's his work is going to live on forever all right that but, is uh, our episode is that it that's everything you going to columbo me again i got to go to the movies so let's uh let's wrap this up. one more thing no yeah that's it I but yeah, see West just, Side Story. just marvel dc reprint justice league avengers you heard him you heard him please, please. um so many people are begging for it and it'd be a very nice thing to do for a guy who i mean DC would have been dead without him because him and Marvel brought the Titans back and turned them into the biggest selling comic for like a decade. Yeah, I think what he you did, know? what he did for Titans, I think that's a whole different discussion. Is like what he did for Titans is just next level. His yeah. his Titans work is also unbelievable. I yeah. mean, un unfucking believable. Yeah, and like and his you know, Avengers they, work is oh, yeah, gorgeous. everything he's ever done is incredible. Yeah. Anyway, the most important thing here is that this is the end of the show. So, Derek, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. You can find me on Twitter at Devin CF. Also, we are going to be doing in about a week or so our uh, Spider-Man No Way Home episode of Watchmen, our monthly superhero deep dive movie podcast. We're not going to talk about Spider-Man on this feed. So if you're listening to this feed for free and you want to hear us talk about all this Marvel shit that's going to be going down in Spider-Man No Way Home, you're going to have to pay for it. Sorry to break the news. It's only available to $5 and above subscribers, but you also get you get that show. You get our weekly Star Wars podcast, uh, The Bad Batch which is going to be kicking into high gear now that the Book of Boba Fett is coming out in a couple of weeks. And you also get to the warm knowledge that you are supporting the creation of this program, which goes out free to all the boys and girls in the universe. Um, so that's available at www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for uh, supporting us. If you cannot subscribe, you can, of course, always rate and review us. So please feel free. Uh, only, of course, if you want to give us a good review. There's like a couple of one stars um, from people who I suspect did not even listen to the show because they would have given at least two uh, if they had listened to the show. I think <laughs> I think we're worth at least two. Uh, but if you like us, that's a nice the way to be nice to us and help us out a little bit. We have some. We have quite a number of reviews on 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 the Apple Podcasts app. Do we? Yeah, we got like 55 reviews. It's not bad. It's not bad. I'm, I'm happy. But we could use always use more. So. If you want to do that, we really appreciate it. And that's going to be it for this episode. We will see you again next week with Hawkeye Episode 5. But in the meantime, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be well. And most of all, may you remain a 
true believer.